Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter, looking at 2 Samuel chapter 16 today. So in the last chapter, we we saw how David has to leave Jerusalem. Uh, Absalom has started this conspiracy against him. He was undermining him for years, his own son. And now he's in this situation where, well, I mean, it's a kind of weird history sort of repeating itself uh, in the same way that even though he was God's anointed and he had to run away from Saul, well, here he is on the run uh, again. And uh, a lot of interesting things happen again that perhaps uh, also have precursors and things that we've seen before in First Samuel even. Uh, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things going on um, in chapter 16. Uh, we read about David being on the run, Absalom uh, coming into Jerusalem, um, and some of the advice that he gets. A lot of stuff here. And we are joined by our guest, Pastor Benjamin Mayton, pastor at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Charlottesville, Virginia. Good morning, brother. Good to have you with us again. Good morning, Pastor. It's great to be here. Yeah, very, very good. You can hear you loud and clear. And yeah, this chapter, I mean, oof, uh, just the, the things that Absalom does. And uh, I, well, I mean, you know, the Bible doesn't hold any punches, does it? No, it actually does, it does not. Where we we jump right into this um, this this soap opera. You, I mean, you've been reading right along, and you're kind of in the in the in the heart of the story here, and it's. Uh, Maybe someone's already done this, but it's you know, it would be uh it'd be uh it'd be a hot show on Netflix, I think, with all this sort of stuff. Um definitely at least PG thirteen with uh, the power and intrigue and ambition and selfishness and there's oh yeah uh, murder and then on the other side there there's yet faithfulness and great acts of devotion and love and half the time you can't tell which is which, you know, what's <laughs> yeah I mean the whole yeah. the whole twisted um complex human familial psyche is just screaming on the page here and um and and to see how this then uh reflects you know god's providence and god working through these people and what it means then for um for us in our own lives that's the that's the challenge of a of a piece of scripture like this yeah i i think that's that's a, that's a helpful uh way to kind of get recentered here too right i mean it's just we we're really we're we're letting ourselves i think off the hook a little bit too easily if we just look at this as well isn't this a chapter where crazy stuff happens right and it's like you know uh like game of thrones or you know something crazy you know right like no no th- this is this is real life this is the world that that you and i live in and these are people that are also like you and me and if we if we kind of just kind of uh, push it uh push it aside and distance ourselves you know at least arm's length we, we can create this illusion that like, oh, well, you know, kind of only like, I don't know, barbaric ancient people would do these things or or, or just, uh, I, I don't know, crazy um, uh, monsters would do these things. But no, this, this is the same human nature that we relate to far more than we'd like to admit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, we, 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 we certainly understand and give thanks for the manner in which the, the scriptures reveal to us. Uh, the nature of God, and most specifically in God and the flesh in Jesus. Uh, but the other side of that coin, um, and as, as important in, in some ways, is that it reveals to us our, our own nature, um, if, we can, if we can bear it. 
and to say that this history, um, as, as the history of God's people, is our own history. Um, and to, to distance ourselves from that not only cuts us off from the, uh, the bite of the law that we, that we need to hear, um, but to distance ourselves from it can also um, uh, deprive us of the, the balm of the gospel as well. I mean, one of the things you read, stories like this, or, you know, it's always pointed out with David or, you know, of, of, of Peter and Paul in the, in the New Testament. You can do it all, though. <laughs> That's one of the beauties of the Scriptures is that to say, holy cow, if, if God can yet work through um, people who are as broken and messed up as the yeah. ones that scream off the page of the picture, um, uh, maybe just maybe, and of course not maybe, absolutely, he can work with and is working with and, uh, and through a sinner like me as well. So, yeah, you don't want to distance yeah. yourself from these folks because uh, both sides, you miss, you miss the accusation you need to hear, um, but then uh, more significantly, you distance yourself from the promise. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, and, and I think I think along with that, you you we, we start to fail to see how God is alive and well and acting in in 2020. Right? Yeah. Like, it's just if we don't have the perspective, it's just way too easy to start saying things like, "Well, where has God gone? And where is God in all this? And how could God bless this person? And how could God act through this person?" And, and, and we and we say all these sorts of things, right? But I mean, if we actually look at the Bible. We see that God is constantly there and working and, and acting and making things go according to His purpose, serve, serve His purposes, even even the evil that people do. Like we, yeah. we, we need to we need to be able to see this uh, this in Scripture. So as you were saying, we 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 can see the goodness of God um, in our own time as well. So yeah, very, very important, good perspective. Um, with, with that perspective in mind, would you, brother, uh, lead us with uh, an opening prayer here before we get uh, into reading the chapter? Absolutely. Uh, uh, we pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Uh, good and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, for this uh, particular word today. It has been written uh, for us, for our our. Uh, our teaching, our, our correction, our reproof, for training us in righteousness, for ultimately for, for leading us to you. Um, thank you for this opportunity to speak with and converse with Pastor Espinoza. May our conversation be um, sprinkled and filled with your Holy Spirit, uh, the same Spirit we pray that you would uh, give a double measure of uh, to all those who listen, uh, that through this word you would uh, do what you would uh, want it to do, uh, strengthen their faith in you, and uh, increase the fervency of their love for their neighbor. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Um, anything by way of context um, that might help us uh, get ready to read the chapter here? So, you know, another one with um, a bunch of names. Uh, we, we, we see Ziba and Mephibosheth. We haven't seen those names in a little bit. Um, but yeah, anything perhaps just to kind of help uh, orient us here in chapter 16. Yeah, I mean, just maybe a couple of those names and things. So, so, so David, this, his, uh, his son, I think, I think there's like 20 named sons of David or something like that. Oh yeah. 21, <laughs> one daughter, uh, Tamar, which uh, you've, you've, you've covered her stuff already a few chapters ago. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and this is Absalom um, with, uh, Perhaps, you know, the ironic name Absalom means um, father of peace or my father's peace or something like that. Mm. And uh, uh, when David named him, per- little did he know <laughs> that it would, yeah. Absalom, this place would be 
uh, far less than peaceful. Uh, I think Absalom is maybe the thirdborn, I guess. And the firstborn, yeah. Amnon, is already Absalom has, has killed because of the, the rape of his, his, his full sister, Tamar. And so mm-hmm. Absalom, in anger and rage, jealousy, um, rivalry with his father, you know, has fomented this conspiracy and uh, successful enough that David is now um, fleeing um, uh, for his life, approved uh, temporarily, but fleeing for his life, um, leaving uh, the capital city, um, Jerusalem. He's heading um, east over uh, the, the Kidron Valley. This is like New Testament stuff, the, the Mount of Olives. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you go outside, outside the, the temple of Jesus going up the mountain. You can imagine him. Um, this is David. Um, the, the greater David goes up the Mount of Olives to, to pray. This is, this is the, the original David. Um, making his way out of the city into the fleeing into the wilderness into into the east from from Absalom. So yeah, yeah, that's right. Th- thank you. That that's a it's a helpful overview. I guess just uh, with everything going on these days and after a weekend, it's good to kind of just okay, right, right. That's where we are in the story. So so here we are. Let's go ahead and we'll just read uh, the story straight through chapter sixteen, and we'll come around and talk about this first part, this episode with Zeba here, uh, but first just the whole chapter, Second Samuel, chapter 16, in the English Standard Version. When David had passed a little beyond the summit, Zeba, the servant of Meshibbeth, never can't get that name right, Meshibosheth met him with a couple of donkeys saddled, bearing 200 loaves of bread, a hundred bunches of raisins, a hundred of summer fruits, and a skin of wine. And the king said to Zeba, why have you brought these? Zeba answered, The donkeys are for the king's household to ride on, the bread and summer fruit for the young men to eat, and the wine for those who faint in the wilderness to drink. And the king said, And where is your master's son? Ziba said to the king, Behold, he remains in Jerusalem, for he said, Today the house of Israel will give me back the kingdom of my father. And the king said to Ziba, Behold, all that belonged to Mephibosheth is now yours. And Ziba said, I pay homage. Let me ever find favor in your sight, my lord the king. When King David came to Bahurim, there came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. And as he came, he cursed continually, and he threw stones at David and all the servants of King David, and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And Shimei said as he cursed, Get out, get out, you man of blood, you worthless man. The Lord has avenged on you all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you've reigned. And the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. See, your evil is on you, for you are a man of blood. Then Abishai, the son of Zariah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and take off his head. But the king said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zariah? If he's cursing because the Lord has said to him, Curse David, who then shall say, Why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my own son seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjaminite leave him alone and let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me, and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing today. So David and his men went on the road, while Shimei went along the hillside opposite him and cursed as he went and threw stones at him and flung dust. 
And the king and all the people who were with him arrived weary at the Jordan, and there he refreshed himself. Now, Absalom and all the people, the men of Israel, came to Jerusalem, and Ahithophel was with him. And when Hushai the archite, David's friend, came to Absalom, Hushai said to Absalom, Long live the king! Long live the king! And Absalom said to Hushai, Is this your loyalty to your friend? Why did you not go with your friend? And Hushai said to Absalom, No, for whom the Lord and this people and all the men of Israel have chosen, his I will be, and with him I will remain. And again, whom should I serve? Should it not be his son? As I have served your father, so I will serve you. Then Absalom said to Ahithophel, Give your counsel. What shall we do? Ahithophel said to Absalom, Go into your father's concubines, whom he has left to keep the house, and all Israel will hear that you have made yourself a stench to your father, and the hands of all who are with you will be strengthened. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on the roof, and Absalom went in to his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. Now in those days, the counsel of Ahithophel uh, the counsel Ahithophel gave was as if one consulted the word of God. So was all the counsel of Ahithophel esteemed, both by David and by Absalom. Uh, so, yeah, certainly uh, you were saying like kind of like a, a soap opera here. Yeah, there's there's so much of that and so much of the, uh, you, you, you just see it, right? The wheels of, of favor, right? I mean, it's uh, it, it really... Uh, looking at the Old Testament and the New Testament closely, when when you get to the New Testament and the language of grace, right, it really, I think, fleshes out that picture when you see that, you know, grace, the idea of finding favor in a superior and uh, the things that you say to your superior and, and the ways that he, uh, you know, gives favor and grace upon you. I mean, like, it, it's just all on display here. Everyone's, you know, just, it's a, it's a, Dicey situation, a uh, transition of power, and everyone's just trying to get a little bit of security um, and establishing se- themselves in the good graces, right, <laughs> of the different people that they think, uh, you know, I mean, they're, they're kind of like placing their bets, right? Yeah, absolutely. Placing your bets, as I, actually, I, I was thinking that, that the kind of metaphor, it's like a, it's a, it's a grand poker game, uh, yeah. the stakes of, of, of which are, are, are life and death, ultimately, and death. but... Yep. Um, before that, all the, I mean, we've just, I mean, passed through this, you know, uh, heightened political season, some sense still yeah. in it. And you can see the, the lengths to which people will go, uh, the things they'll say to position themselves in one way, but not to say too much in case you need to call it That's back right. later, <laughs> but to say just enough to the right person. Cause uh-huh. you really don't, you really don't know how it's all going to fall out at the end, but when it yeah. does, you want to position yourself, um, well. And so, yeah, yeah just, uh, I mean, even apart from the, uh, it makes it just as a story. As yeah, oh yeah, it is. It's stunningly beautiful, and all the 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 art, the artistry of the of the story is just there. But then when we uh, lay this over with uh, this, this is this is the reality of God working through this stuff, and it's um, it just just you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, and, and, and that God would well, and I, and I think that so so seeing the hand of God in this, right? I think is where some of the challenges, I think, are for us, um, you know, re- reading as Christians, especially with, you know, I mean, Ahithophel, you know, who who seems to represent God, the text says, right? Um, 
he gives this advice to Absalom. Whoa. Uh, then there's this, you know, before that, right, there was this scene with uh, Shimei um, going along and cursing him. And David's like, yeah, you know, God probably told him to curse me and he should just keep on doing that. I mean, I mean so that's uh, that's another thing we're going to have to unpack. There's a, there's a lot of things here, really. Um, certainly, I can already see that we have some email questions and some questions on Facebook. So we're clearly not going to get to everything. But <laughs> we'll try to we'll try to look at some of the uh, of the little key uh, thoughts and questions here that come up. Uh, going back to the top of the chapter, we have this scene with uh, Ziba, right? And so we remember this with uh, Ziba and Mish- I cannot just. I, part of the problem is I know his name is actually Maribel, which is so much easier to say. <laughs> but okay, M- Mephibosheth. Okay, uh, we've seen this before. Uh, how David had grace and mercy on Mephibosheth, uh, one of the few. Uh, remaining uh, sons of Saul, uh, grandson, right? Um, okay, but what's going on here with Ziba, right? Like it, it, it just it does. It just feels like he's just up to something. But I don't know. What's what's your take on this? Well, that's that's exactly right. In this kind of playing your cards, uh, keeping your cards close kind of stuff. The Ziba, he goes all the way back. We know he's a a servant in in Saul's household, but but don't let the word servant, you know, fool you too much. And in the ancient world here and other places, he was a servant who had a bunch of servants. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's right. Oh, yeah. Slaves in the ancient world who had a bunch of slaves. So he's a powerful dude. That's right. Um, He's powerful in Saul's house. Um, He's powerful in in, um, Saul's son, Jonathan's house, and has remained somewhat powerful in some sense. Uh, There's a lot of, you know, Saul is, you know, out of the picture in one sense, but we know from what's going on underneath the surface, there's still a, a powerful um, Saul-like con- uh, uh, a group that are mm-hmm. that's always just below the surface that David is very, very aware of, which he's playing yeah. that. And so Ziba is one of these um, holdovers from that um, from the camp of Saul, and yeah. he's trying to, you know, I'm mixing too many metaphors here, you know, read the tea leaves <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, yeah, right. And, and so he said, David's going out, but He's he's seen David in action, and he knows even if it looks like David's down, I'm not so sure David's down. I'm not yep. I'm not positive Ziba's thinking. You know, this is the the promise of the Lord that that that, that um, the scepter will not depart from sitting up David's house. Right, um, right. But he recognizes David as a formidable guy. So he's as David's out of town, he brings him all this these things, which I guess he's you know absconded from um, from his master from Mephibosheth's yeah. um, house brings all this stuff and i just i just love he this the, the kind of the cunning he comes uh, or david sees him coming with all the you know the mules and the, the the cakes and the wine and um and he asks well why have you brought these and, and ziba's yeah. answer so oh well the donkeys are for riding on the the cakes are for eating uh which wasn't what david meant at all It'd be yeah like isn't that interesting there, he's like yeah, yeah. So he's like what are you up to and he's like well exactly. they're for this and they're for this and they're for this right, right? i mean so it's 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 uh answering yeah. one one side of the yeah. why question, but right. but not yeah, really I, getting I'm, at. <laughs> I'm sitting there in my easy chair, and one of my teenage daughters brings me a piping hot <laughs> cup of coffee and some fresh baked cookies. I say, "What are these for?" And they say, "Oh, to eat and drink and drinking." <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I say, oh, "What do you want?" And yeah, so, right. yeah, yeah. And yeah so David, no, David David pushes him, and even with the language, and he says, um, uh, uh, "And where is your master's son?" Which yeah. is like this is David's way of saying. I know who you work for. I'm yeah. not going to be fooled by the, this, the, the, the bribe. And then Ziva's response. Um, and 
it kind of, we we don't really know um, whether this is the truth. We only have Ziba. You know, people say whatever, and so Ziba is saying, um, uh, "You're you, the Mephibosheth, the one who you would made these great promises to." You yeah. remember that that after Saul and Jonathan, yeah. um, Ziba is the one who had told David, "Mephibosheth is a, is an heir whom you can bless in keeping your promise of friendship with Jonathan." And so, but now Ziba's in all oh, Mephibosheth. He's gone to the other side. He's gone to the dark side. And all oh, pious me, I'm out here um, uh, uh, giving my allegiance to, to you, David. Yeah, and yeah. the thing is, we don't know whether that's Mephibosheth. He's, he's the crippled one. He can't get out there. Um, yeah. And but then David, you know, it's, it's, this is this, this, this stuff. The, the, the screenplay would be hard to do because it's David. Then he says, okay, all this stuff is... Uh, all Mephibosheth's, Mephibosheth's property is now yours, Ziba. Yeah. Is this just a crushed David who's thinking, oh, my goodness. Of all people, I thought Mephibosheth would be loyal. Yeah. And he's gone now. Or yeah, yeah, a real kind of, like, you know. Well, uh, no, that's, that's, that's a good, well, and the thing is, like, so all, all of this stuff, right, is going to get picked up a, a little bit um, later at least. We're, we're going to see it in chapters uh, 19 and, and 21. And, and so, you know, when we look at those chapters, we'll have to kind of come back and look at, okay, so, you know, to what extent was Mephibosheth, um, I mean, really like betraying David? To what extent was he just kind of, I mean, like, like the people that David himself sent back, right? Like just there trying to make the best of the situation, right? I mean, it's, so we'll, we'll have to, you know, look at all those things, um, in the chapters to come, but like in the meantime, yeah, I, th- I think you're absolutely right that, you know, this is, uh, I feel like this is actually pretty much the parable of the shrewd manager here, right? And and, and I think yeah, that right. the, uh, if, like That's like our right, Lord's yeah. point in, the, in, in Luke is, right? Like the, the point of the parable is not that we would evaluate like, oh, well, is he being sincere? Is he, is he, was he, you know, really heart in it or, you know, was it, was that right? I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, in the parable, the 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 manager is is within his rights. He's within his rights to to negotiate agreements and to uh, you know manage uh, you know to to make trade deals, right? Like that's like part of what he does. As you said, he's a servant in the sense of he's not um, family, but uh, he's very high, very much high ranking, right? And so this is just Ziba just just being smart. Um, cause like you said, like he knows, yeah, David's down, but he's not out. Um, and, and so, yeah, we'll, we'll have to, we'll have to revisit it. But, um, in, in the meantime, you just, it really just speaks to how there is all this, this posturing and, and it's just like, well, okay. It looks like, you know, uh, Absalom is in charge, but you know, who, who knows how long that'll last. Um, you know, Ishbael certainly didn't last very long, right? Um, the, the, the only thing I want to like ask about in this uh, section, because like I said, let's have to revisit it. Um, isn't it fascinating, don't you think, how he says this, right? Uh, in verse three, David says, and where is your master's son, right? I mean, because, I, I mean, I, I feel like I, I think to myself initially, your master. Oh, that would be Mephibosheth. But what? Uh, oh, no. He's referring to Saul, right? Saul is dead, <laughs> but he's still referred to as his master. And this is like, a, you're, like you were saying, referring to Absalom then. So that's, that's pretty interesting to think of like his allegiance to Saul is like transcending Saul's death even. 
see that again. There's kind of an undercurrent here um, of that that Saul is gone, but it's of course it's not the same as an election cycle. But one person wins, <laughs> the other party doesn't go away. There's yeah. people still holding on, and David recognizes that. And actually, a lot of the stuff I think he does further in the chapter um, recognizes this is David is the he's the master politician. He's pious yeah. too, um, but he's also the master politician that recognizes. I have to balance these things. I can't do anything to unnecessarily um, uh, provoke the Saulite party. I certainly can't give them a martyr, which is yeah. something which is, is going on in the, in the next section. But yeah, overall, it's just, I mean, if you're preaching something like this, I love that connection with, uh, with Jesus' parable. Um, but it's, it's, it's depressing in a sense of it's, it's one of those things you just want to say, uh, aren't you just sick of and tired of having to play the games yeah. all the time? I mean, as we look at this election cycle, but it's each of us individually, too. Wouldn't you, I've heard people say this, yeah. wouldn't, you, wouldn't it be great if someone could just say what they really are, what they're really thinking? Um, it's yeah. the beauty of the confession at the beginning of the service in our, in, our, in our Lutheran liturgy, that we start off being truth tellers. You know, so oh, maybe the rest certainly. of the week we're kind of posturers and like, oh, enough of the game. The game, yeah, the game is oh is always afoot. It was always afoot. Yeah. But um, our our conversation cannot be always afoot. We had to take a short little break, at least. Everybody, hold on. We're looking at Second Samuel chapter sixteen here on Nice Strong Word. We'll be right back. This has been quite a year, a lot of uncertainty. But there is one thing you can count on if you're a member of the Concordia Plans. Your benefits through the Concordia Plans are always with you to help keep you physically, emotionally, and financially healthy. Protect yourself and your family by signing up for your health care benefits, along with additional insurance and saving for retirement. Choose your 2021 benefits November 2nd through the 20th at concordiaplans.org myaccount. How do I keep my kids in church? Will there still be a church for them to go to? New people have moved into my neighborhood. How do I reach out to them? Our challenges are many, but it is Jesus who makes disciples for life through his church. Let's come together as the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod to discuss this joyful work. Learn more about the Making Disciples for Life initiative at lcms.org slash making disciples. Again, that's lcms.org slash making disciples. Did you know that your individual retirement account may make the best gift to KFUO? The IRS now allows individuals 70 and a half or older to transfer their required minimum distribution directly to charity and avoid paying the associated income tax. These gifts can provide regular long-term resources to KFUO. If you have questions about making an IRA gift to KFUO, call me, Mary, at 314-996-1518. We'll send a representative out to help answer your questions and help you establish a legacy of giving to your favorite radio station, Worldwide KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at 2 Samuel chapter 16. 
Oh, just so many things going on here. We're just looking at this first scene here with Ziba. We are having a conversation today with Pastor Benjamin Maiden, pastor at Emanuel Lutheran Church in Charlottesville, Virginia, uh, just talking about how, yes, indeed, you know, everyone's playing the game in this chapter, and you just think to yourself, ah, can we can we stop playing the game, right? But, I mean, the thing is, we're the ones who keep it going. It, <laughs> you know, if we, if we all, like, actually stopped playing the game, it would stop. Uh, so we have only ourselves to blame, and that's, I think, uh, part of the thing that Pastor Maiden's helping us unpack here is just seeing how really we see ourselves in this chapter in a lot of ways, even if we don't like to admit it. Uh, We're uh, also uh, taking a look at some of these questions that have uh, been posed here on Facebook, facebook.com slash H-A-S-Pinosa, and also over email. Hopefully we can get to some of these email questions today. Uh, KFUO at KFUO.org, particularly too, right? Uh, Kind of, so this, this is interesting. Um, is it proper for believers today to want to take the symbolic head of a political opponent for mocking your weakened political leader, knowing that God ordains this cursing because it's happening according to the man after God's own heart, David? Yeah, so, and, and so kind of some of these uh, you know, other questions here, kind of looking at this, you know, so like, can, can, we, can we draw any, you know, connections to, you know, how, how we should conduct uh, the politics of power today? Uh, based on some of the things going on there. Yeah, we're going to have to take a look at some of those questions. Uh, thanks for those, James. You can also, if you have any questions, uh, give us a call, 1-800-730-2727, or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. Uh, before we get too much further into some of these other good questions here, I want to make sure I thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, lhfmissions.org. Thank you guys for supporting Thy Strong Word. All right, so yeah, there's there's a there's a lot of good stuff for us to take a look at. Um, I think we definitely need to just kind of go uh, go on in here and just move move beyond uh, the, the Zeba scene. Um, just it's very interesting. We'll have to uh, revisit it in chapters uh, 19 and 21. But but then you're right in the next scene here, we get this uh, this guy, um, this Shimei, the son of Gera, cursing. And uh, yeah, as one of our commenters on Facebook said, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> The difference here uh, between uh, Abishai and uh, and uh, Joab is that Abishai actually asks permission uh, to go ki- uh, kill this guy, right? <laughs> Whereas Joab would have just brought him mm-hmm. his head. Uh, yeah. You know, fair, 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 fair enough, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's an interesting it's an interesting scene, right? I mean, this isn't the first time when David's men, right, have been like, yeah, kill the dude. Uh, let's make an example of him. Uh, but David shows restraint, but more than restraint. I mean, it's so curious what he actually says. Like, well, maybe God told him to curse me because that would make sense. I mean, th- that's a that's just a fascinating comment, right? No, it is. And again, it's one of those. Um, it speaks to the reality of 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 the. Of the, of the person of David. I mean, someone might turn to this and say, is this like David's politician side? Is that yeah. kind of like maybe, you know, implying that perhaps, you know, this is David. We don't want to kill this Shimei guy because he's of the house of Saul. The last thing we want to do is give them a martyr on my yeah. way out the door. And so let's just be, I mean, we don't need to spill blood, but then the other side, or, or you say, is this actually David's, David's heart speaking is this is that actually a, um, a a level of kind of introspection and um, 
potential repentance that it could only be a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Where when someone, uh, a little guy, is coming cursing the king, and he can say, "But you know what? Perhaps right." How often, when we are attacked, especially if you're yeah. a king and you're used to being surrounded by sycophants who tell you whatever you want to hear, yeah. um, but even myself, with my first reaction whatever, whether it's, you know, <laughs> in any environment, you know, is to defend, defend, you know, you oh, know, yeah. deny and blame the Adam and Eve thing. But yeah. David actually says, well, you heck, you know what? He might be right. Yeah. I, like, no, I, I, I know. I, yeah. I, I think, I think it's fascinating. And I, you, you know, I, I think that, that you're right, that you could, um, you could see that, that this is actually politically shrewd. But I, I think I think uh, David really does mean it, though, and, and I think it's an amazing. Um, it just was uh, very curious. Just in, um, I, I mean, I was just in, in my uh, dissertation writing. I was just looking at um, some different passages, just for uh, looking at different syntax patterns, and I, I was looking at the uh, crucifixion as told in I think it was uh, in Matthew. And well, but anyways, like you just you have the two thieves there, right? Who are there, what reviling him, right? On his left and on his right. Um, in, interesting little bit there, right? That you have. Um, where, where was like the left and right thing here? It was uh, the, like something about the mighty men. It was. Uh, oh yeah, in verse six, right? Oh, yeah. And all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and his left. Um, and, and so it's just interesting, right? That here's uh, David being you know publicly mocked and cursed, um, and and he says like you're like you're saying, you know what? He is right on a certain level, guys. And, and and then you have the Lord Jesus who, you know, you got people cursing him. Um, and what does he do? Does he say, like, you know, I, well, I'm, I'm innocent, right? No, no, he doesn't defend himself at all. And in fact, the way that, that Paul talks about it is that he actually became a curse. So, I mean, just to, to think of it that way, that that he, he becomes a curse. There, there is a certain reality to this. I mean, isn't, isn't what the prophet Nathan told him that he was, in fact— under a curse. And and so, I mean, I think there's a foreshadowing there. I mean, of course, the Lord Jesus becomes a curse because of the way that we have brought the sword upon our own houses. Uh, so it's a big difference. But I, I mean, I, I think there's just a certain reality that he is, as you were saying, I think repentantly accepting. Yeah, and, and, absolutely. That that language, that, that connection with the thief and the cross, that's that's uh, that's uh, something worth worth thinking further further about but just the, the 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 pathos here as well that so much is i mean his as he i think that i think that the hebrew has it literally um, um he says look uh, the son of my own belly <laughs> the, the the son which has come from my body absalom mm-hmm. is seeking my life yeah. it's like and, and, and later you'll notice in those passages these deep the the when, when david's heart just breaks and Absalom, Absalom, my Absalom. When when Absalom finally dies, the one who's been trying to kill him, yeah. um, that and, and even thinking like, yeah, you connected it with the curse from from Nathan, saying, yeah, the, the sword shall not depart from your house. And that yeah. this is at the at the, which uh, an event which which leads to the death of another one of his children. Yeah. I mean, David, we can go through these pages and things like that, but those are those are. Emotional wounds that never heal. Yeah. Um, we know this from our own experiences, yeah. and and uh, and to see David just as a, you know, I suggested maybe Mephibosheth leaving. That this is this broken man, who mm-hmm. he, he almost doesn't have the energy to be the, uh, 
the, that, that zealous, you know, yeah. chop off his head. You know, Abishai, oh, like yeah. you said, he's already he's always ready to kill somebody. He wants to kill he wants to kill Ziba later. He already yeah. he, already, he calls him the dead dog. Like he's already dead. You know, let me just you know let me just uh, um, you know make that make that a reality. But there's that David. I think at this point, we, we, there's no need to try to. You ate the um, yeah. the politics from the from the pathos. Yeah, but that I'm I'm I'm, I'm impressed by that level of. Yeah. 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 And say he might be right. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, and and I think, yeah, I think it does show a lot of restraint. And I think David has been showing this consistently. I mean, uh, he is a man of blood (laughs) and he's he's killed a lot of men. Um, he's, he's got a lot of blood on his hands, right? But, uh, for a warrior, he's shown remarkable restraint. I mean, we, we had that whole narrative about how, yeah, you know, he kills 40,000 in battle, but he takes 20,000 alive, right? Uh, or the same thing with the Moabites who, you know, possibly murdered his family. Um, and he lets a third of them live, right? I mean, so the thing is like for what he is, he has a remarkable amount of restraint in this context in, in his time and in his place. And, and we, it's hard to appreciate that. But I think that the other side of it, too, is just appreciating how Shimei's words are just correct. I mean, like, you know, he says, as he calls him um, um, a man of blood. And, and that's uh, interesting. I, I'm glad that you brought uh, my attention here to looking at some of the actual uh, Hebrew here, right? But, like, you know, when he says, you know, you you man of blood, I mean, this reminds me of, um, you know, Moses' wife, where she calls him uh, a bridegroom of blood, Right. Um, and, and that, and that, that statement was just, was just fair. I mean, I mean, really. And, and then, you know, the Lord has avenged on you all the blood of the house of Saul. Like, well, you know, as much as we can say like, oh, well, you know, uh, but, but, uh, Saul had it coming or, but David was the anointed one, right? Like, well, sure, fair, but, you know, also David also failed to, to rein in Joab, right? Um, who got away with killing, you know, Abner, right? I mean, not all the blood of the house of Saul that was spilled should have been was necessary to spill. Um, I mean, we, we can't we can't pretend that that David like did everything right here. And so I think that, um, yeah, I, I think he's looking at this and saying like, you know what, like Shimei is at least right on that much. Uh, and and I think that we the the moment that we cannot say, you know what, yeah, my leader, my guy, uh, my champion, right has blood on his hands and he actually deserves some of this criticism, right? The moment that we like become unable to accept criticism for ourselves or for our guy, we know we've gone too far. Yeah. Yeah. And and then ultimately criticism for ourselves, right? The blood on our hands, there's always that powerful moment in in, that many, the many churches reenact and usually on Palm Passion Sunday and the reading of the passion narrative, um, when it comes to the time to to speak the words to the the, the, the crowd to the pilots and the crowd chants, crucify him, his blood be upon us and our children. Oftentimes, yeah. um, the congregation speaks those words to say, "Yeah, that's that." Ultimately, blood is on all our hands, and we and we and we give thanks that God's taken that, <laughs> taken the punishment upon Himself, so that we can be, uh, though we are as scarlet, we can be white as snow in our yeah. in our Savior. Um, but uh, but yeah. but that. And, and, and David could have made excuses, like you said. He said, well, I didn't really, that was really Joab. Yeah, but he right. knows the rumors. 
And he's like, but yeah, but yeah I, I could have reined him in. I could have done more. No, Maybe there's something in my own jealousies that I was going to let somebody else do my dirty work. So yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's kind of a funny scene, too. <laughs> for, for some reason, it always comes to my mind, Chimay, you know, kicking dirt. On, <laughs> I, always, I always think of, uh, I'm 47, so I, uh, you know, I grew up with, uh, you know, Billy Martin, the famous uh, hothead uh, baseball um, oh. manager. He was always out with the umpires, and his big thing was always kicking dirt. <laughs> he, he got off fuming. He's like kicking dirt on his shoes. That was the thing. Like uh, um, before they threw you out immediately. And I just think there's this. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Chibay, if you if you, if you did the miniseries soap opera with Chabay, um this is a gutsy dude. <laughs> yeah, you know, that he's out there. You know, um, he'd be that, that'd be an interesting an interesting character to uh, well to play. What's going yeah. on in his mind? Yeah, right. Well, even even the Lord was followed by the Sons of Thunder, right? You know, so it seems like there's a, there's always at least a few of these zealots, right? Um, and, and, and and like you know, they have their place, right? I mean, I think we we can't we can't just be like, oh, these guys who are just so bloodthirsty. I mean, I mean, David keeps them for a reason. I, I imagine they're they're highly effective on the battlefield. Um, so I mean, uh, despite their faults, there's also um, some some virtues there as well. Um, yeah, so, so you, you have this, this, uh, this, this moment of humiliation, of humility, right, um, that, that I think is very instructive for us. Um, so some of, some of the questions then, kind of looking at this here, right, so I mean, is, is it proper for believers today to want to take um, the symbolic head of a political opponent for mocking, right? Um, and then I guess the other one is... Uh, well, I, I guess we can kind of save that for a second here, right? Um, you know, is it proper for believers to cast stones at a banished leader today? Um, yeah, you know, so yeah, this is just interesting. I, I'm not sure that that David is saying like, you know, what what uh, what 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 this guy is doing is like meat right and salutary, right? And like you know, oh, why didn't I? Why didn't I think to have him do this? Right? Like, I, I'm not sure that <laughs> that the point is like um, he's supposed to be that Shimei is supposed to to be like uh, imitated here, right? But but I, I think it's just like he's just saying, you know what? Um, even if even if you know, even if this is excessive, right? Um, because I mean, doesn't the Lord Jesus say, right? Love your enemies, right? And pray for those who persecute you. So uh, as far as, as it goes, as far as Christians, right? Like, um, I mean, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Um, so I mean, that's yeah, the standard would, for us. Yeah, you, it would be, <laughs> it'd be, it'd be a tough sell to read the, uh, to use the Davidic monarchy as, you know, <laughs> uh, just take off the page. This is, this is how politics is supposed to work. Even if you're trying yeah. to, even if you're somehow to make a monarchy into a, you know, a, a democratic republic, but. We have yeah. those New Testament scriptures when it comes to your leaders. You know, uh, you know. First of all, you know, a first importance, I say, you know, make intercessions for your for your kings and princes and your and your leaders. So um, I can't think of any any places where we have you know you know just kind of a uh, go ahead and, and and curse your curse your leaders whether they deserve it or not. But what we right. do have is. Uh, New Testament writers in a time when uh, the, the leaders were um, at the very least pagans and and oftentimes also actively persecuting Christians. Yep. Um, you have the Christian writer St. Paul saying, um, first thing you do when you gather together is you pray yep. for these kings, princes, and, and leaders. Um, 
So I, I want to start with that, and then maybe somewhere way down the road, we could talk about when it might be appropriate um, and in what fashion you do that of um, – of those of those leaders, yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I think that's 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 so well said. Very pastoral. That you know, as much as we want to like ask the question, like, is it okay if I do this? Is this is this okay? Is this too far? Is this in bounds? Right? And so funny. It's like you know, it's like it's like my daughters, you know, like asking like, well, can we do this? Right? Or it's like you know, I, I say like, you know, like uh, don't step on that, and then my daughter starts. Um, jumping over it, like, like over it this way, over it the other way. Right. And then what what I tell her, I said, okay, no, Ellie, that's not okay. Uh, I gave you a rule and now you're playing with it. Right. I mean, I mean, that's, that's, that's what we want to do. I, you know, and it's uh, rather than like play with the rules and push the envelope and just see how far we can, can go with the boundaries. Right. We should be showing respect for them. And I think that's a part of what you said that you have, there's a priority. Right. And so before we start talking about when is it okay that I, you know, make satire and, you know, make fun of these political opponents. Well, let's first make sure that you're doing the bit about loving them and praying for them and, you know, the rest, right? Like, let's, let's start there. And and then we can talk once you're really good at that, um, about the rest of it. I, I think that, that that's, uh, that's so, that's so good. Kind of reminds me of the whole, you know, speck in your eye versus the log in theirs. So let's, let's turn to our own eye first here. Um, uh, so, so let's, let's we gotta keep moving on though. So, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, yeah, good, good things on that scene. Let's take a look here at this this uh, advice though that is given to Absalom, right? So, so he gets there, and there's uh, Ahithophel, you know, which is which is interesting here, right? Because uh, we we started to, to, well, I don't know why we kind of just mentioned this last time that there seems to be a family connection between Ahithophel and Bathsheba, which can make you think all kinds of things. Um, it's just kind of like you, you kind of piece it together from other texts here. Um, but as much as that's going on here, um, you know, you, you, you got this scene of Absalom being kind of, um, I mean, he seems like he's like, ah, okay, I'm not sure about all you guys. I mean, like with, with Hushai there, well, he's got reason to be, <laughs> he's got reason to be suspicious there too, right? Um, but th- this is just interesting. And then Ephel gives him this, uh, this advice and it's like, whoa, that's, that's the advice of this, I don't know, like godly sage dude, like. That's that's uh wow. Yeah, this is um the connection the potential connection, you know, grandfather, uncle or something of, of Bathsheba and then counseling similar um um the rooftop, you know, dalliance with uh, with the concubines yep. there. There's that that connection. Um but uh, it, it could be this is that situation with uh Ahithophel, um unlike some of the others who are maybe kind of playing both sides of the fence. He's gone over pretty much 100% to the Absalom side. Um, so he has, a, he has a lot to lose um, should Absalom not prevail. And it seems that his counsel, um, I mean, it's as despicable as it is in our eyes, and, and frankly would have been very despicable in the eyes of many, even in David's day, which is something Ahithophel probably did not you know, consider well enough, something David would have saw that to do such a thing is going to be very distasteful in many people's um, um, mouths, that he counsels this, this kind of drastic seizure of the accoutrements of office um, mm. uh, the, to, to, to kind of say, I have 
absolutely. That, that, that's a, that's a pretty solid euphemism, brother. The, the he's, yeah. uh, <laughs> suggesting right. the the what was it the, the the like the seizure or the drastic seizure of the accoutrements of of rule or something. I mean, that's it's very delicate. <laughs> well, you 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 can. I'm not sure how uh, how family friendly the show is here, um, <laughs> yeah. but uh, <laughs> but but yeah, yeah, it's pretty drastic stuff. In the it is. they throw up a tent on the on the rooftop yeah. and and bring in the concubine. This is, um, yeah, there's, there's nothing starker than this. I think that's kind of the point. So as to say, anyone who's thinking that there might be some kind of reconciliation or, cause you know, Absalom has been on the, you know, been on the outs before or he's, got, he's like gone for four years or several years and then came back and David didn't even talk to him. And then finally they were kind of buddies seemingly for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the. I mean, from Absalom's side, and what Ahithophel, maybe what Ahithophel is, is, is trying to, to counsel to Absalom, is this, you have to, you know, make it absolutely clear that you are the king. And, yeah. and you will, you, and when you're the king, you don't care what anyone else thinks. You certainly don't care what the ex-king, your father, thinks. Yep. Um, yeah. No, 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 no. I, th- I think that's the thing that we we gotta. I, I think that's very helpful because we got we got to get past on a certain level, just how you know scandalous and just oh wow, like scary this is um, on a certain level, right? How how repulsive it is, right? Sure, fair, but I mean he he's not all of a sudden just after years of being very wise, um, just saying something that's totally off the wall, zany here. I, I mean he actually he's got a point, right? Um, and it's in verse twenty one. Where, where it says here, and all Israel will hear that you have made a stent, yourself a stench to your father, and the hands of all who are with you will be strengthened. Right? I mean, I mean, so there there is a logic to this. We remember uh, with this uh, whole like made yourself a stench to your father. Um, that reminds us of how uh, it was uh, it was Achish, right, uh, of the Philistines, who has said, "Hey, look, here's David going around the countryside raiding Judahites. He's become a stench in the eyes of Judah." Right? Which means, well. He's clearly not going to flip on me here, and he's going to be loyal to me, right? And, and so there, there's a there's a big deal here, right? Like that that the Israelites need to know. Hey, look, guys, it's it's either Absalom or or David. There's no you know uh, riding the fence on this. Like like we've already seen, people are kind of trying to do right. So Ahithophel's advice actually makes sense in this by by kind of drawing a line in the sand and saying, look, it's either it's either you or it's me. Um, and so I think that's where he gets the line then, uh, the last line, the hands of all who are with you will be strengthened um, in the sense of like, look, this is this is going to concentrate power around you particularly. Um, it's going to be about you and not people who are just kind of like, okay, well, I guess, because I guess he's David's son or something like that. So, I mean, there there is a logic as brutal as this is. There's a contrast with David as well, and David, David's older or, or, or wiser or what, that you can't say this too strongly, but it seems that David is holding out for, well, in many cases, holding out for the possibility of reconciliation. Hmm. He kept around Mephibosheth, a, a, um, a, a rightful heir to the throne of Saul. Yeah. Um, Shimei, he doesn't, he doesn't um, you know, have his, you know, head taken off. He kind of yeah. gives Ziba the benefit of the doubt, as you'll, you'll find mm-hmm. out, yeah, in a few mm-hmm. chapters down the road. David yeah. doesn't really even know, so he, you know, he divides it, you know, between Ziba and Mephibosheth. Um, and then, of course, it's his son Absalom who, you know, 
ultimately Joe Hap, you know, going out killing people when he's not supposed to. Um, uh, what what Absalom said, David's mourning over that because David still longed for reconciliation with his son. Whereas it seems here, um, Ahithophel wants Absalom to make it very clear that he cares none for he's written his father off. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, well, and I think this kind of gets to the the question we got over email. Um, you know, should the victor in a political contest today go in after the concubine constituents? Um, my my goodness, uh, I mean, it's very very uh, very uh, powerful image there. Um, yeah, so I, I think the thing is right. Like Hithfell's advice makes sense of makes sense for the context of like how to launch an effective mutiny like against your father right like if you're if you're going to betray your father and do this right like these are the sorts yeah. of things that you would do to do that well i mean it's very machiavellian right like if you're going to like you know like seize power right and like really have it like well these are the sorts of things you might want to do um, so in that sense right there's there's a logic to it but i mean it's it's, it's terrible advice in the sense of well, oh my gosh, like we're, we're, we're doing this, right? I mean, like, I mean, we're just kind of multiplying the sin here. And as you were saying, we're, we're cutting off the possibility of reconciliation. So, uh, no, this is not how politics ought to uh, be played. This is not if you are a, a godly person who finds yourself in a situation of political power. This is not how you should be using your power. Um, but this is very often exactly what, what happens to people. I mean, power corrupts and you just want to do anything to hold your power and to make your claim sure. And so this is what people end up doing. For the, for the Christian, the ends do not justify the means because the ends are held in the hands of our Lord. Um, and we know that all ends well in him. As the, the old cliche goes, um, 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 all, all's well that ends well. And yep. if it's not well, it's because it's not the end um, because our Lord holds the end um, and in him we'll know we know ultimately his ways, uh, his, his ways succeed, and we don't need to, uh, you know, go these other directions to ensure they do. So. That's right. A- Amen. I can't believe you managed to end that on a high note. Thank you so much, brother. You, great conversation today. Looking forward oh, to having you on again real soon. Thanks, Pastor. Yeah, you bet. Everybody, Pastor Benjamin Maiton, Emmanuel, Charlottesville, Virginia, going on to Chapter 17. Until then, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. Produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting by Strong Word.